Hello, listeners. This is Pete Fayette of the Pete and Terry podcast, coming to you from World Domination Headquarters in sunny Southern California. Stay tuned. Homes and Hometowns, Part Two. Okay, let's get uh, let's get our guest host warmed up here and, and invite him in. And we, we have to thank you because we know your days are busy. You've got a lot going on, a lot of people to to deal with on a daily basis. Not really. You want to wait until I finish the introduction? God damn it! <laughs> I would just like to thank him for being here. <laughs> I could have joined earlier. I had nothing going on. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, you join us when you can. Thank you, Mister Guest Host. Yeah, thank you. I had been I had been told by your people that uh, you've got like a window of twenty four minutes or something. So you know, get them on at four thirty, off at four fifty two. So I'm working on a tight schedule. Assuming you were as well. Yeah, no, that's not the case. I don't know who told you that. Your people. I was interested in that that Tai Chi thing. You, were, I just, I heard before I came on uh, listening to the podcast. Of course, I heard your your workout routine and the heavy breathing thing, and I just thought that's interesting that your heavy breathing is able to keep you so physically fit. I think you mistook what I said. I said healthy breathing, not heavy breathing. Inhale, hold, exhale, hold, extend the stomach, hold the stomach in, you know, the the kind of dog cat stuff that they do in yoga. Tai Chi is a little more vertical than yoga. That's my point. You're trying to make a mountain out of a mole. It certainly is interesting. What should I go to if I don't want to watch that or listen to it? Anything else. Okay. It's about heavy breathing. We're supposed to be interviewing you, not the other way around. And I don't mean to be admonishing you for that. We do appreciate you being here and answering whatever questions that we may set forth. But I would like to know, who was the first girl you kissed? I'm sure you would. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it was one of those uh, Fitzgerald girls Ah. (laughs) out at the the beach house in, uh, you know, near the, in the area with all those waterways. Malibu? Um, Well, I don't, I can't remember which state this was in, but yeah. It was a lot of waterways and islands in that area. There was a uh, kind of a congregation of beach cabins. and. Ooh, sounds like Dubai. It may have been. I don't really remember. Or the Philippines. Yeah, the Philippines, it sounds familiar to me. It was a long time ago. The the last name of the girl was sounded Irish, so maybe it was off the Irish coast. I don't know. Okay, that makes sense. You've come in contact with so many women from (laughs) four corners of the globe it's probably tough to keep track of who the first woman was that you kissed so maybe we ought to fast forward and find out who was the last woman you kissed (laughs) (laughs) she definitely was not irish okay yeah well i mean there's you know there's been a lot in between (laughs) (laughs) okay well maybe this isn't the right um path for bringing our guest host into uh into the fold (laughs) What we ought to find out is is what you're currently doing now that getting so much public attention. Well, I've started a um, a new business. Okay, can you talk <laughs> about it on the air or no? Well, I'm designing home kitchen products. Nice. Is it something that we may have seen already, or is this something that hasn't hit the market? Um, well, I don't think you've seen anything yet. It hasn't hit the market. What prompted this? What is it? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I've heard that before. That was, um, is that George Washington? I designed a, uh, 
a dishwashing scrubber that has a replaceable head slash brush so that brush bristles don't keep going flat. You can just reverse them and then replace them. And you should see it hitting the market soon. I bought one of those about 10 years ago. <laughs> Are you sure this is your idea? Have you seen one really before? <laughs> I've seen them with with uh, removable heads. Really? It, without, it, like the sponge kind. Yeah, the sponge kind with that has soap in it, but yeah. not a regular one with just a brush. And so it sounds one... to me like this is not a unique product. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is a Terry. Are you telling me that you basically saw what the guest host has described identical to what you saw ten years ago? Okay. Upon further reflection, I don't think it was identical. I don't think it was confusingly similar. I have another uh, idea that's under development that I can't talk about. Okay. So why don't you keep that one under control until maybe the next time uh, if we decide to have you back? Because right now I'm thinking that you haven't added really a lot of important content to our discussion. So I'm hoping we can... I'm hoping we can go down a, a road that's going to lead to something that will be more bountiful in terms of the fruits that you can harvest. <laughs> well, speaking but, of that, it does seem like um, if you're if you're inventing kitchen utensils, you must be spending some time in the kitchen. Yes, that's true. So do you like to cook? Well, that's where normally where I open the packaging on the to-go food is in the kitchen. <laughs> that would make sense. No, yes, I do like to cook. What's your favorite couple of things you like to cook? Well, my goodness. How about, we'll narrow it down. What do you like to make for yourself if you're just cooking for yourself versus, let's say, you're cooking for the family? Do you what have you a family? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I do. There was just an assumption made by Terry that cook for the family. So I, I kind of want to straighten that out for our listeners. A couple of things that have been eating at me here, and I, I want to get to them. I just don't want to stick you with a question that you can't answer or you won't answer because it will leave us with some dead air. And you know how I hate dead air. You've mentioned that before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's my hope, Terry, that our listeners, those in the North, East, South, and West, are not losing patience with us and our apparent reluctance answer questions to the fullest extent possible. Well, I don't think that criticism applies to me. Certainly you and our guest host have sidestepped a number of questions for the somewhat dubious objective of protecting personal privacy. Give me a break. There is no longer any such thing as personal privacy. Kiss and tell is boss. But I digress. And I see your arms waving wildly for my attention. Yes, Terry, what is it? When you say north to south and east to west, do we have any Midwest, northern Midwest listeners that you know of? I'd have to take Minnesota, a look. Minnesota, Wisconsin area, anything like that? I don't think we do. I don't think we do either. I have a cousin in Minnesota, and as soon as we hang up, I'm going to call her and say, PeteandTerry.com. Okay. Got to listen to our podcast. I have a friend in Texas. I can call we, him. We know what we should do. That should be our goal is to, to make sure we have one listener from every state and we would go from 40 to 50. <laughs> Arizona, Vermont, Florida, New York. That's six. That's seven. Uh, South Carolina. North Carolina. Oh, that's right. In North Carolina, there's nine. Told you we had about, we have about 10 right now. I'm yeah. sure there's one more somewhere in there. So oh, Idaho, we, we can definitely get Idaho. How do we get Idaho? I got a nephew in Idaho. Do you really? Yeah. Who's up there? Who's who's son? Jake. 
Jake, Joel's son, oh, Jake. Joel's son, okay. Yeah, Jake and Nikki just moved there with their two little boys. So, Pete, you talked about leaving high school as a 17-year-old senior year, which is a pretty crazy thing to do. Any any other crazy, stupid things like that that you want to tell us about? Um, yeah, and, and it was my junior year, South Burlington High School, chemistry class. It was like an introductory chemistry class. Our classroom was the lab. And I remember one of my lab partners, Tim Williams, man, I remember that kid because we um, were working with potassium. And I don't know if you guys understand the uh, characteristics of potassium. We'll react to basically the hydrogen in water. And when those two uh, components, those two elements come together, there's a uh, an ignition. So as we were learning and studying this little potassium experiment that was going on, I was thinking, I need to bring some of this home. I can do something really cool with this shit. So I said, hey, Tim, I'm going to get a little ball of this potassium and I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to take it with me out of class. He goes, okay. He goes, I might do the same. So potassium is sitting in the middle on a metal cap to a jar. And I remember, I don't think I used gloves, but I used a paper towel to pick up this dime-sized ball of potassium, kind of whitish grayish, wrapped it in the paper towel, put it in my pocket, my shirt. And I saw Tim on the other side of the table doing the same thing, grabbing a little potassium, putting it in a putting it in his hand and, and then into a paper towel. Couldn't have been more than two or three seconds later, my my shirt erupted in flames. Oh my God. And somebody said, Pete, you're on fire. I took off my shirt, literally ripped the buttons off of my shirt. I threw it down on the ground. I stamped it out. My other shirt hadn't caught on fire. And at that very moment, my buddy Tim's stuff ignited. He threw it into the sink right there on the lab table, and he turned the water on <laughs> the flames. Oh burst. Needless to say, Mr. Bull, who was the chemistry teacher, at that, he looked at us like he wanted to kill us. He goes, all right, down to the office. We were both removed from that class for the remainder of the semester. Um, we weren't sent home, believe it or not. And from that day forward, I was known as Potassium Pete. Got back together, class of 73. There's like a Facebook group class of 73 South Burlington High School, and one or two of the teachers were there, and they all remembered. I said, Pete, you the guy that was in the, got kicked out by the chemistry class? And <laughs> Holy shit. This was 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and they still remember it. I said, I was framed. <laughs> Tim's idea. <laughs> I never said that. I know nothing about chemistry other than U-238. Well, I have a, a chemistry anecdote, Pete, yeah. which was very influential in my life. My grandfather was a veterinarian, and I always loved pets growing up, so I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then I took a chemistry class in high school. I don't remember the grade that I got, but it was enough for me to say, I've got to find something different because this science stuff is not for me. So at that point, I always liked English. I always liked writing. I always liked reading, all that stuff. So I just started telling people that time, I'm just going to be a lawyer when I'm done with school. That's it. And it was that chemistry class which pushed me into liberal arts stuff. I just kept saying it, kept doing it, heading that direction, and here I am, semi-retired from being an attorney. Let's leave chemistry at school behind and talk about the chemistry in the homestead. You had four brothers. So there were five of you. So how did that work? The oldest, Joel, always have his own? Of course. Of course. He's the golden child. <laughs> he had he had this really cool it was a very small room but it was wood paneled and had this private little closet thing it was kind of hidden and he got caught making wine or something like that or he had some kind of still or something in there i got a very vague memory of that and then his his excuse when he got caught was something like 
you know, some sort of class project or, or it was a, it was a present for you for Christmas. I was making whatever it was. Nice. Did anybody yeah. buy that? No, my parents <laughs> never believed anything, but they were very cool about it. They, they, did, they applauded our creativity. Even from the golden child. Now they didn't believe what, what he was talking no. about. No. In terms of parents believing us one day we were having a family dinner so Joel had to be a senior. Greg, I think, was a sophomore, and I had to be in ninth grade, something like that. We sat down for dinner, and there was a bottle of gin in the middle of the table. Gin or vodka, I can't remember which one it was. And we just had dinner, and no one, no one said anything. And my dad says, um, so is anybody wondering why that bottle of vodka or whatever is sitting on the table? And we're like, I don't know. And he says, well... Um, this has been mixed with water. He says this, this bottle, it's like half full, but there's hardly any vodka in here at all. And so he says, I don't know which one of you guys did it. He goes, but we understand how this works. So don't do it again. And that was the end of it. So then of course we have a meeting later between just the brothers and, and every one of us like, did you do it? Yeah. I thought it was just me. No, no, I did it too. And so everybody had taken some and watered it down, and not knowing the others were doing the same thing. And of course, my dad's going to make a martini. It's like, what is this? <laughs> so, oh, that's, that is good stuff. My mother used to hide the vodka all around the house. And you know what? That's a sign of. But I never knew it. I never, I never understood it because I was too young to know. I was her cigarette gopher, which I hated. And it was virtually every day I was going over to buy Terrytons. Terrytons. Terryton. Terryton 100s. Peter, make sure it's Terryton 100s. How old are you there at the time? Old enough to start pushing back. So probably 13, just in getting into my teens. Okay. I just hated doing that job, bringing cigarettes back to my mother. Yeah, my mom smoked too. And she quit cold turkey when she caught somebody trying to take puffs. And my dad hated smoking, always did. But he still tells a story of coming home someday. And my mom was like eight months pregnant with somebody. And she was sitting on the couch with an ashtray on her belly, <laughs> on her pregnant belly. And my dad said he could see the baby kicking, complaining, get that ashtray off here. <laughs> my dad loved telling that story. So hey, it was probably true. That baby knew exactly. Yeah. That smoke was filling the uterus, and he, he we know it was a he, he was pissed. Well, I figured I'd probably be about 6'4 if it wasn't for that. My mom smoked. So. <laughs> did you ever go to a Catholic school? Yeah, first through eighth grade. And did you have nuns, or were they all lay teachers? Both. Ah. Combination. Okay. So like first grade, was it a nun or a lay? First grade, we had Miss Jensen. Okay. And uh, of course, she left to get married. Who was your first nun? What's, what grade? I think second grade, Sister Therese. And she was a great teacher. My favorite teacher was Sister Sharon. She just really believed in me and sat me down. And she was some kind of psychologist, too. And, and so she was very motivational and gave me separate exams for things and built up my confidence a lot. And, and she was just a great person. I actually saw her at uh, my aunt's funeral a couple of years ago. You were going to a Catholic school with a new breed of nun. You know, oh, yeah. was probably, that was probably an enlightened 
group? Well, we also had Sister David. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. Because yes. all my sisters had masculine names. Oh, listen, Sister David, <laughs> she was not only domineering and cruel, but she ran a scam, a big-time scam. And there were a couple of families, including one of my dad's best friends, that had a grocery store. And so Sister David would give you extra credit and that kind of thing for bringing coupons in. For it doesn't matter what kind of coupon, any kind of grocery coupon, you bring them in, you give them to Sister David, she'd give you extra credit. She would take them to these grocery stores of Catholic families and make and trade them for cash and just say, here, to my dad's friend, Bob Goslin, here's, you know, $45 worth of coupons. And he, out of Catholic guilt, pay her $45. And he had to deal with them after that. Seriously. Wow. Let's so listen to this. So um, <laughs> she was known for, for harsh discipline in the classroom. And one time, my brother, Greg, who is a quite a sarcastic person, he said something to Sister David. He did whatever he did. And I'm sure he was deserving of some sort of discipline. Sister David grabbed him by the ear and pulled him out of his chair and walked him down to the office. When it got back to my mom, my mom went down there and said to Sister David, if you ever touch any of my boys again, I'm filing a lawsuit immediately and scared the hell out of Sister David. Way to go, Pat. Oh, yeah. I saw the ruler, you know, slapping kids in the on the hands of the ruler, yelling and screaming, humiliating kids all the time. Everybody knew about Sister David. And that was sixth grade. So we both had a little bit of uh, that parochial school disciplinarian um, background. Oh, yeah. Here's a perfect segue. Let's leave Catholic schools and go directly to Halloween. As you know, I'm a big Halloween guy. Always have been. For the years that the kids were hit home, I was always doing a haunt here at the house fairly elaborate for a, a house haunt. And obviously the haunted mill back in Vermont for the three years that we did it, that was taking it to the next level. But it all started when I was back in my Burlington days um, as a merchant Marine coming home. And when I had Halloween off, I just always did something off the wall. Uh, it was 1982. I decided that I was going to be a vampire and I was going to build a casket and I was going to have pallbearers carry me up the main street they were going to walk me up onto the steps of City Hall, which is at the bottom of Church Street. So I set it up so that I got into the casket about two minutes before midnight. And my six buddies, who were the pallbearers, and I remember them complaining. And so six guys carrying 200 pounds, about two blocks, two and a half. Where did you get the casket? A wardrobe box. The experience was this. I got into the casket. And the plan was I had a woman who was going to be my victim that was going to come up the steps. I was going to, you know, coax her up to the steps. And these guys were going to walk me up the steps and just place me there. And then a minute later, I timed it so that City Hall bell, which was on that building, would strike 12 and it would go 12 times. So I get up there. And first of all, the experience of being prone and being carried was <laughs> Really a bizarre feeling. Number two, the guys got me to the corner of Maine and St. Paul Street. All of a sudden, another group of people, and they were all in costume, and they were apparently something like uh, monks. They all started chanting, and they chanted that silly Wizard of Oz song, that that thing. Right. So now I hear this going on behind me. I think, what the fuck? <laughs> and I hear a lot of talking going on around the outside of the casket. And I hear people asking the pallbearers, who, what are you doing? Who is, who's in there? That kind of shit. 
And they didn't say anything. Going up the steps, that was kind of funk. They drop it, and I waited maybe a minute or so, and the, and the clock started ringing. But during that time, I'm hearing people below me on the street. I don't know what's there. I hadn't looked, and nobody ever said anything about it. So the clock strikes 12, push the top up, and I sit up very quickly and look to the street to my right, and I am telling you there had to be 500 people that were packed at the bottom of Church Street. And it blew me away. I thought, holy shit. So I didn't know what to do. Fortunately, my victim had already started walking up the steps. Her name was Noni. She was she's a, she's a beautiful woman, very sheer white silk gown. And she just walked up trance-like slowly. And so now I now I catch her. She's halfway up the stairs and I see her and I'm using the old Bella Lugosi thing. So she comes over. <laughs> she comes over. I make her tilt her neck and I looked at the crowd and the fucking place went nuts. <laughs> Nobody, she, she drops. I, I lift her up and I had the adrenaline going. So she was like a featherweight. It was amazing. I picked her up like it was, what the hell? It's like all air. I ran down the steps, took one glass, last glance at the, at the folks and ran through the alleyway into city hall park. And all I heard was clapping behind me. And I said, Noni, holy shit, we just pulled that off. And she was freaking out. I found Noni on Facebook this morning because I just happened to think of this story. I thought, you know, what? I'm going to remind her. That's why you picked her. I picked her because she said she would do it. <laughs> and it was, she, she was the perfect victim. Absolutely perfect victim. That's it for us, listeners. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Pete and Terry's podcast. And now it's phase with Echoes in the Canyon. 